she keeps on, she's like, we need to switch houses to the elders. Like, have them live here and we can live there. And I was like, we can just do that, you know, like. And and she was just like saying stuff like that all the time. And she was terrified. Like, when I when she showered, I would just stay at the door. She would leave the door a little open and I would stay there because she was terrified to be alone. What is up, you brave souls, and welcome back to the Adversary Podcast. We have made it to the final episode of this season. Over the course of the last nine episodes, we've heard everything from haunted apartments to haunted people, close encounters with seen and unseen beings, possessed objects, frightening phone calls, and whatever else happened to make its way in there. You may have noticed that all these stories adhere to a general theme, which is that in each of the accounts, spirits are the driving force. I determined early on that spirits would be the main focus of the first part of this series. To gather all the material I needed for this season, I communicated with over 50 people, listening to and recording dozens of independent accounts that I eventually grouped together into episodes. The sheer abundance of spirit-related stories I came across warranted that topic being addressed before anything else. At the time of episode 1's release, I had only heard a handful of these stories, as in less than five. Every week, I just had to trust that there was more out there to be found. Some weeks, I was nervous that I wouldn't have any content at all because I hadn't talked to the right people yet. But I was never nervous about this episode. Number 10. One of the stories from my handful that I've held on to since the beginning is the one I'm going to share today. It's the culmination of everything we've been building towards. The keystone, if you will. Without it, I think this podcast would crumble. So here we go. Three months ago, I invited a friend of mine to come over and just hang out. She had served in the Adriatic South Mission, which is located in southern Europe, just above Greece, and includes the countries of Kosovo, Albania, and Macedonia. I personally didn't really know anything about those countries or what it was like to live in that region, but I thought it was possible that maybe something along the lines of what I was looking for could conceivably occur there. I mean, scarier stuff had happened in Europe before. So I was a little disappointed when I asked my friend if she had any spooky stories from her mission, and she answered, No, not really. It was still early in my quote-unquote research, and I was getting a bit discouraged with my lack of success in collecting information. I thought, perhaps there's not enough out there for a podcast after all. Then she said this, But I do know a sister who served in my same mission that had a scary experience. I can text her and ask if she'd be willing to talk to you. I was saved. I said yes, please. And a few days later, I was on the phone with my friend's friend who was about to become my bestie in terms of helping me out. You've heard some of our conversation already, actually. At the beginning of each of the first five episodes, I played a short recorded segment of that phone call. Now it's time to put it all together. I made the call on May 16th, 2020, and it lasted for 14 minutes and 12 seconds. Within less than a quarter of an hour, I went from pessimistic at best about this whole undertaking to completely floored. My first impressions regarding what I had just been an audience to were, oh my gosh, and there's no way that actually happened. I listened and re-listened to the recording of the call, trying to detect any inconsistencies or parts that seemed like they were made up, but all my doubts were overridden by how sincere she sounded. Her tone of voice was one of a person who had actually seen and heard what she claimed she had seen and heard, and like every other missionary, she had a companion. Two witnesses. My skepticism would also fade over time as I heard similarly shocking stories from tons of other sources, so I do not hesitate when I say that the story I'm about to tell you is true. There are two characters in this story. The first is my friend's friend who I talked to on the phone. I'll refer to her as just the sister. The second is the sister's companion, whom I'll refer to as the girl. 
The reason for that label is that the girl wasn't a missionary in an official sense. She was something called a mini-missionary, which makes me feel even worse for all the things she went through while serving as one. Mini-missionaries are younger than regular missionaries, usually between the ages of 16 to 18, and they're part of a program where members their age are paired up with real missionaries for a time so they can get a taste of what missionary life is like. This can be a fun learning experience for both companions, and generally it turns out well. It only lasts for a couple of weeks and then the mini-missionary goes back home. The sister and the girl had just become companions and were moving into a new place in a new area in Albania. The place in question was a large apartment, which felt more like a house because it had multiple bedrooms and a lot of space. The apartment building itself was large too, with seven or so floors. Two weeks ago, another companionship consisting of an Albanian sister and a mini-missionary had left abruptly after staying in the apartment for only a week. One week ago, the first companionship's replacements, two sisters, one Albanian and one American, had also left abruptly after staying in that same apartment for only a week. Today, when the Albanian sister, the one on the phone, and the girl, the mini-missionary from Kosovo, opened the door to their new apartment for the first time, the girl jumped back, suddenly scared. The sister asked, what's wrong? She didn't see anything to be afraid of. They had just opened the door and the place was empty. The girl responded, oh, I don't know, nothing. It just, I just got scared. It's nothing. At the time, the girl didn't really know the sister too well, so there wasn't a lot of trust yet. But eventually, the girl got more comfortable with talking to her companion and revealed to her that she was sensitive to spirits. The girl could see and feel things that others couldn't, much like the sisters in some of the previous episodes. But when the girl told the sister about her gift, the sister didn't believe her. She thought the girl was just a frightened mini-missionary worried about being away from home and staying in an unfamiliar place. And besides, the sister didn't feel like anything was off. The whole first week, nothing out of the ordinary really happened. At least, nothing that couldn't be attributed to the wind blowing through a window, or the sister or the girl misplacing an object. It wasn't until the second week that the sister began to notice some of what the girl had noticed on day one. One night during the second week, the girl was asleep in the bedroom while the sister was doing language study at her desk in the living room. After her mission was over, her plan was to go to college in America, so she was studying English in preparation for an exam international students have to pass in order to go to school in the U.S. While she was studying, she suddenly began to feel really weird and uncomfortable. Either she was getting tired, or too hot, or too cold, or something else was going on. So after this air of discomfort had persisted for a little while, she decided to switch what she was reading, trading out her English grammar book for her scriptures in hopes of seeing some improvement in how she was feeling. But nothing changed. She still felt pretty bad, if not worse. So she closed her scriptures and started praying. And then after praying didn't seem to have an effect, she started to sing some church hymns. Anything to try and lift the unpleasant mood that had inexplicably settled on her and the apartment. But nothing was working. And then the girl walked out of the bedroom and just looked at the sister without saying anything. Which was odd because she was more talkative now and they were good friends at this point. So the sister asked, hey, what's wrong? The girl was silent for a moment. And then yelled, there is something wrong here, sister, and you don't believe me. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go home. And then the sister said, you can't go home. I believe you. I feel it. There is something wrong here. Let's just wait and pray together and see what happens. And so they did, but the feeling still wasn't getting any better. Now it was time to call the elders. But to the sister's surprise, the elders weren't buying their story. The elders thought that the sisters were just looking for an excuse to get them to come over to their apartment. In short, they thought the sisters were trying to flirt. The elders told them that they'd be fine and that they didn't need any help. Then they hung up. So the sister wondered, well, what do we do now? They said another prayer, and then they both went to bed. That night was a weird night. The feeling was still present, but nothing more than that happened. The night passed without incident, and in the morning, the apartment felt a little better now that it was light outside. But the girl still wanted to go home, unwavering in her desire to leave early. 
So she called the mission president and he said, What's with you guys? You stay for a week and then you want to leave? Then he talked to her, trying to reassure and comfort her. After the call ended, the sister talked to her, doing the same thing. And eventually, the elders did come over and talk to her, promising that everything was going to be alright. So she stayed, and the sister stayed. But things didn't get better. On top of everything, the girl was terrified. All the time. She never wanted to be alone in any room of the apartment, even the bathroom. When she would shower, she'd leave the bathroom door cracked open a little and ask the sister to stand just outside, so she wouldn't have to be by herself. The girl would say on almost a daily basis that they needed to switch apartments with the elders and have them live here instead, to which the sister would respond, What? No, we can't do that. And the girl would go quiet, shut down and disappointed. Weeks passed, and little things kept happening. Stuff that's difficult to put into words, but nonetheless indicative of something being not quite right. And the feeling was there too, never really having fully disappeared. During these weeks, the elders had finally been convinced to bless the apartment. But again, no change. This entire time, the sister could feel that something was wrong. But she couldn't bring herself to really believe that this was some sort of haunting or spiritual interference. Surely, the elder's blessing would have solved that if it were truly the case. So the sister and the girl stuck to their day-to-day -day routine while saying more prayers and singing more hymns, especially before they went to bed. On the phone with the sister, I was listening intently, focusing on every word and making sure I was hearing her right. It felt like she was building towards something. And she was. She said that everything had continued more or less the same until one night, which she called the Big Night. They were in the bedroom, singing hymns as usual before they went to bed. But this time, the bad feeling was more intense than it had ever been. Adjacent to their room, there was another bedroom in the apartment that no one used. Empty, except for a bed and some dressers. As the girl and the sisters sat on their beds and sang, they heard a noise coming from the other bedroom. Drawers. The dresser drawers. Opening. And then from the same room, footsteps. The sister told me her immediate reaction was, Oh my gosh, someone's broken into the apartment. They're going through the drawers and looking for valuables or something. So she got off her bed and was walking towards the door when the girl cried out, No! Don't go! And then whispered, It's not a person. Instead of leaving now, the sister closed the door and returned to her bed. And then the curtains in their room began to move. The window was shut. The light bulb hanging from the ceiling began to shake. The footsteps outside their room got louder and louder. More sets of footsteps joined the first. It sounded like a whole group was walking around in their apartment. The sister and the girl kept singing and praying more urgently than before, trying to make whatever was there go away. They grabbed their phone and called the zone leaders, but they didn't believe them. And then they called the assistants to the president, who said the same thing. Your apartment's been blessed, right? You should be good to go. Then they hung up. The girl and the sister realized that no one was coming to their rescue that night. So they prayed and sang some more until the sounds behind the door got quieter and things in the room calmed down. It was late and the sister was starting to feel tired. So she laid down and tried to sleep. The sister had this stuffed animal that she'd often hold or hug close to her body while she slept. She didn't mention what kind of animal it was, but it had a long tail, so it might have been something like a fox or a sock monkey. Her sleep that night was restless, and eventually she was having a nightmare. She was awoken by a large amount of pressure around the area just above her waist. As she became fully conscious, she put her hand to her waist and discovered the tail of the stuffed animal had wrapped around her midsection, which could happen if she rolled over it. But then panic set in. The tail was squeezing, tightening. The stuffed animal felt alive. 
the sister screamed, ripping the stuffed animal off of her body and throwing it across the room. The girl was already awake, sitting up, crying. She hadn't slept at all. The sister looked at the clock. It was 3 a.m., still a couple of hours until daylight. The sister decided they couldn't stay there any longer. They were leaving, right now. She and the girl exited the building and made their way to a park, which they walked around in for a while before heading in the direction of one of the chapels owned by the church. When they got there, they tried the door, but it was locked. So finally, the sister called the mission president, told him about everything that had happened that night, and that they had left their apartment and gone to the chapel, which they couldn't get into. It was springtime, and the night was chilly. The president said he couldn't do anything for them until morning. So at 4 a.m., the sister and the girl had no choice but to return to their apartment. Settling back into bed and leaving her stuffed animal on the floor, the sister was still anxious beyond belief, but she eventually dozed off, only to be woken up by the feeling that someone was sleeping in her bed with her, next to her. She screamed again and sat straight up. She could feel a presence all around her, all over her. Shaking and crying, she called the mission president at 6 a.m. At 9 a.m., he arrived. The sister and the girl were both still shaking, traumatized by the events of the night. That day, they moved out. The whole time they had lived there, the girl would say on occasion that she saw something with her own eyes. A spirit. That's what had scared her on their first day, and in the weeks following. But she said that the spirit was different. The girl said that a child had died there, at the apartment building. After they had moved away, they found out that a child had indeed died there. A young girl had climbed over the railing of a seventh-floor balcony and fallen to her death. The day after leaving, the sister and the girl, accompanied by a local member, went back to the apartment to clean it and move out the furniture. While they were packing things up, some boxes and other objects in the apartment started to slide around on their own, freaking out the member who said, nope, and promptly left. That day, the apartment was vacated for good, and no more missionaries ever returned. When it comes to stories like these, it's easy to brush them off as fabricated, or at the very least, exaggerated. But when I spoke to the sister who claimed she went through all this, the trauma she had endured was evident in her voice. This was no tall tale. This was real. In the end, when it comes to taking on this topic of the supernatural, there is always more that can be said, but never less. If you've made it this far, you've probably heard some things you'd never heard before. That's the mission of this podcast. And don't worry, there will be more to come. From here, we're going to take a month-long hiatus and then resume in October for a Halloween special, during which I'll give an update as to what's happening for the future. Thank you so much for listening, and follow us on Instagram at The Adversary Podcast if you want to stay in the loop. We hope we didn't scare you away.